every podcast I do, I always forget everything I'm going to ask. <laughs> well, let's get this thing on the road, guys. What do you say? Absolutely. So, first of all, I, I really appreciate you all making time to come on here and, and you guys accommodating <laughs> us with your booth. And um, this has been a long time coming for this podcast because just look, you guys alone, we've been trying to get on the show for over a year probably. I mean, but we, want, we wanted to do it in person, not over the phone. Yeah, and that's yep. that was the hard part. Um, and then being able to get you guys in the same spot too. Have you guys ever done a podcast together? Nope, not together. We should so. probably say who you guys are. Yeah, yeah. first of all, <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to throw some intros out there real quick? Sure, I'm Shannon Mobs, um, one of the uh, founder of Angry Spice. Guys. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, and I'm Corey Ford, also with Angry Spike. I'm the I'm the, the C Squad. <laughs> B team. <laughs> now you guys have actually. I think you guys actually came out with films prior to the Bro Guys, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I came out with the uh, first video in 2005. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I think it was two years ahead of you guys. I remember yeah. we all met. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was 07 is the first yeah. year we filmed and came up here yeah. to the Portland show and met you. Yeah. yeah. You guys took it to a completely different level. Yeah. <laughs> like into the stratosphere level. <laughs> Get serious with it. <laughs> so I, my main interest in this one is that we have two very successful groups of Roosevelt elk hunters two completely different dynamics of the way they hunt I would say I that know. they cat road shuffle and you guys look for you have your own version and of cat road shuffle where you drive and look for rubs correct it's, it's essentially in my opinion it, it's the same, same. it's pretty same darn strategy. close yeah. one's, one's just quicker than the other yeah really well I mean I <laughs> yeah I don't know we're not going to pass up a rub that's for darn yeah. sure just to go find another cat road we're going to take the cat road that's right by the you know what however that works we just deemed it that i guess just because it's a that style right yeah well i guess for from my what i've seen is that you guys seem to like focus on less timberland more old growth or just basically blm or forest service stuff and focus on bigger bulls and you're willing to pass up bulls too aren't you uh yeah absolutely myself um, well, I get I basically get the whole season, so um, I, I love calling bulls in, and that's really what I want to do. Whether I kill one or not, it's a, a bonus. If I can kill a mature bull, even better. So I tend to wait. It doesn't always work out. So it was last year, uh, the year before this past season, I I passed up three bulls early and never got a shot on another one. So hmm. you know, gotcha. so, yeah. which is a, still a success. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, huge absolutely. success. It's, and it's so much fun, man. I got it all captured on video, so I can relive yeah. that moment. Which is with our group. There's so many of us. Like you guys just have the two of you, so it's going. There's so many of us. It's like, yeah. if you don't you shoot, you're going to get put in the back of the bus, and the you bus. may not get a chance yeah. for 100%. a week and a half. Right. What, you know what I mean? So yeah. or all season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and, like, and when I said faster, I just meant like if you guys are, especially now, like you guys are still covering ground on foot and bikes yeah. in some of the areas that you hunt, and we've gone away from the timberland stuff to just be on road, so driving, we probably miss a lot more than you guys do because yeah. you're more intimate into the areas, and we're just bombing through. You know, We don't miss a rub, though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. But we might miss some bugles and some things like that. So, Yeah, the key is with both is you're covering ground, you're trying to find a vocal bull, and, and then you, you're targeting. It's, yeah. Whether you're walking a road, you're riding a bike on a road, you're driving a car down the road, it's the same same technique. You're I've always looked at it as the more ground I can cover, the more likely I'm going to find that aggressive bull, and he's going to be easier to hunt. So Right. It, it's fishing for the biter, right? It's like, Absolutely. I mean, 
you could sit there and pound the same hole all day long and hope and pray that something moves in there or it's like no i'm going to go to the one that's yeah. going to want to play the game yeah. i've always found that the first day i'm in an area as well as i'm more effective like the elk haven't heard me i'm new i don't belong there they're more receptive to me they're more likely to come in the second day i work the same bull not near as effective if I can just hmm. keep bouncing to new area, new area, new area, I'm more likely to have that one that comes running in like this past season. Mm-hmm. You know, one answer and he's in my lap. So that's that's the ideal situation. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. That's so why does we your success rate on targeting a bull go down the, the, the more you pursue that 100%. bull? Hey, watch Destination Elk yeah. this year. You'll see it exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I chased, virtually chased the same bull yeah. for seven straight days. Hmm. You'll see it as it plays out. It just I think they learn harder. your voice. They they hey, I have you know, had a bad experience or or that didn't wasn't something that bull was fond of the day before and he just eh, he's not threatened by it anymore. Hmm. Or yeah. as threatened by it. And not curiosity curiosity doesn't get him this time. They just get harder to hunt. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are mostly driving around looking for rubs, basically, and you're bugling along the way. While you guys are covering a lot of ground more on foot, but you're bugling the whole time. Right, yes. and you're you're yeah. you're way more location bugling than, and if you find a rub, you'll take advantage of it. That's just a byproduct of the way you guys hunt. It seems like the main strategy is to find a fresh rub and then target that bull. Yeah. But we will blind call into some areas. I mean, we'll do exactly what these guys do too. Yeah. You just don't always see that, especially if you're only watching video. We're yeah. not going to put us bugling into a timber patch every time. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's cooler on video to have a nice giant alder that's been shredded eight and a mm-hmm. half feet up, and we're standing just on the other side of a bugle. So, and we hunt a lot of new area too. So, I mean, there's a ton of ground to hunt, and yeah, I've been doing it for almost twenty years in Oregon alone. I haven't hunted the same ground a lot. So. Really? You, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So that's that's one thing we always talk about is like, I'd rather hunt fresh ground, new st- new country. It's like you hunt differently you don't have any preconceived expectations of what it should be or how it should go on um and so it's like you don't leave a stone unturned you're gonna go check this ridge check that out and i'm all about new ground i I think you get yourself you can get yourself in trouble hunting the same old stuff every time my observation of watching your guys's films the last few years like with the pressure of needing to create content and all that stuff it's it's kind of forced you into going to the areas that you know right the swamp like 100%. you go back to the spots where you know you're likely <coughs> going to find an elk, but yeah. it's because you are looking for that ability to hunt something. Like you probably find one in there. And that has to do with shutdowns and gates that and too, yeah. people and locking access. up land. And a lot of the stuff that we used to hunt, I mean, I've always said, I was just talking to someone yesterday. It's just like, we hunted the glory days. Yeah. We've got to do that. We <laughs> yeah. when we When we started, you guys as well, we've... We'll never see that again. Yeah, you will right. never see those days again. We got to hunt the best of the best yeah. of the, Roosevelt. The, yeah, you guys sad. made Roosevelt cool, and that sucks. It was It was awesome. Yeah. And then now it's like, not begging for scraps, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you got to pick and you got to really, really weed through a lot to get yeah. to and, a bull. and really what changed that for us was the private timber access. Correct. Right? When it went to vehicle drive-in, Right. Paid yeah. access from yeah. the guy that just wanted to earn its sweat equity and pedal 20 miles on a mountain bike. Yeah, like, we, we, we did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So exact same strategy early on. And yeah. then uh, with that shutdown, it just became more mobile. We got the little rigs. We can drive down those cat roads you guys are walking. Just it's a time thing, right? You have very little time to get it done in September, so you have to maximize it. So yeah. 
covering ground, finding that one bull that's ready to go, and that's just that's how we uh, we target him. How we and that's where we went out of state. Honestly, like we yeah. just started venturing, and then it's like, wow, this is a whole new adventure. There's a whole new place that even if it's someone else's backyard, it's the first time we've been there. You know, yeah, so it's really cool. Whereas, like you were saying, we go back to the same place, the swamp or wherever it be. We go down to the big spruce tree. We bugle off the left side. If he doesn't answer there, we go on the You know what I mean? Yep. It's like mm-hmm. either they're going to be there or they're not. And right. then you walk out. They're not here. You it know, gets repetitive. It gets, it gets repetitive a little boring. And, yeah. Yep. And yeah. boring. I mean, so you yeah. go down a new into a new new area and you're energized. Yeah. You hunt harder. There's more emotion in your bugles. There's just, yeah. You're just more effective at a new, Couldn't in a agree new more spot. Yeah. Yes. I think we do a better job of tearing the landscape apart, too. When we start hunting different little drainages, you're like, well, if I've hunted this spot before, I'm not willing to walk down to that spot unless I hear something. But if if it's a new spot for me, I'm probably more apt to, like, let's just push down there a little bit farther, maybe hunt a little bit harder. Maybe there's a bench down there that I want to hit. And if it's, like, the area that we hunted this year, we we put four miles in um, off that main ridge system and then ran, (laughs) ran into the bowl with the truck. <clears throat> yeah, the one just drove the one right into killed. him. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I guess my question would be: since the changes in in the timberland and access and all that stuff, have you guys noticed a drop in the quality of bulls at all? I think it, I think you can still find a big one every yeah. once in a while. I think we were seeing more of them definitely back in the day. Were you? Oh yeah. I feel yeah. like there's bigger <clears throat> bulls up where they hunt up north. <laughs> Where's up? And I've we don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I, I think just from watching their stuff too, like they are pulled out of the everyday timberlands. Yeah. You guys are more a lot thicker stuff as far as not not thicker because it's all thick, yes. but as far as like not as many clear cuts right. I see. You guys hunt more timber stuff. Yeah, I try, and, and that's the reason why I try to focus on that older yeah. stuff is the, the there's not as many elk in, in a lot of those timbered right. uh, areas, but the um, average age of the bulls are probably going to be a little little older. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. and, and it's downside with Oregon in their commercial thinning is that just kills these bulls. Man. Really? During rifle season, they come in, they light thin, thin those big timber, and it's just like a clear cut. But the elk haven't changed their habits, and they just get they get annihilated hmm. with rifle hunters. You yeah. think so? That's what I've seen, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So I like to, and that's what I look for. I look for areas when I'm doing, like, e-scouting. I don't want to see any of those stripes where you have that thinning that's going on. Yeah. I just really want untouched timber, dark timber. Because hmm. they still feel protected. Yeah. It's still big timber, but everything's been thinned out enough you know in the big timber patches they i mean we'll drive by stuff and there's nowhere there's no way a rifle guy is going to kill an elk in there during yeah. rifle season they're yeah. not going to they're going to look at it and go there's no elk here and they don't want to drop down into some of those big timber canyons because they almost feel like they're wasting their time but as soon as it opens up a little bit and you can even glass it from a distance it's like all right that changes yeah. everything well it sounds like you guys are looking for the stuff that people don't want to hunt basically because a lot of people that we talk to they're looking they for clear cuts and they're looking for I just thins. don't think they don't think there's elk there really I think, yep. yeah i think that's overlooked i don't think it's too deep and steep because all the stuff where it's about the same yeah you, know, mm-hmm. you can get down and back up in two hours yeah. right easy you know but i mean it's just like i think it's overlooked is what you're trying to say well it's just Whereas i mean you have to be dedicated to hunt it you know yeah. so i'm not and there's some rifle hunters that flat get it done they get down in these big dark deep canyons and they walk around they yeah. still hunt it they they kill bulls but the guy driving down the road's not going to lean out his right. window and shoot a bull in most of those places. Right. You know, maybe one gets shot standing in the road at something. But, yeah, when you thin it, it's it's virtually a clear cut with a canopy, and the elk still feel comfortable and safe, and, and they're not. Mm. So, but, you know, it, I'll hunt it if yeah. that's what I got to hunt. 
So let's just say um, this question's for both of you, but Shannon first. If you found a rub, and it's a rub that you're like, first of all, what kind of rub gets you excited outside of being fresh? Are you looking for big rubs, tall rubs? I can't touch the top of it. Then diameter it of the tree. Like, well, what, what exactly are you big, looking for? A big for? tree they're not able to push around <coughs> is going to tell you how tall this bull stands, just straight up. You know, when they swing their head, you can reach up. If you can't reach it, he's probably going to be 35, 40 inches tall, something like that. So, so that's a good way to measure how tall the, the horns are. What I really want to see is I want to see that alder bush just shredded down to nubs because that bull spent some time. He's aggressive. He's displaying to his cows or to another bull, whatever he's doing. But he's, he's showing that he's, he's got some testosterone flowing through him. Yeah. And that bull typically will, if I can get him to answer that day. He's, uh, and if it's it obviously if it's as fresh yeah. as it can possibly so be. So for a guy listening to this, you find a rub, now what do you freaking do? So, yeah, so as soon as we find a rub, in a new area especially, uh, just analyze the, the way the drainages run, how they fall, where elk may come, you know, where water is, where, where's the feed at they're going to and from, and just try to get kind of establish a plan on where I want my bugles to end up. Because, you know, it's, it's just like standing outside of somebody's house. You know, if I can yell right in your open window, you're going to hear me, you're going to probably respond, and that's what I need my bugles to do is I need it to ring and echo that canyon. Um, it's just shocking them. I just, I just need them to hear me. I need, need it to be loud. So they just tell me whether it's they start raking a tree, they start moving, brush snapping down below me, they moan, grunt, chuckle. I just need to be able to hear all that. So the way we do it, you know, if it's windy, it's horrible. If it's raining, it's horrible. Right. So quite honestly, we're yeah. the strategy we have is Cold pretty f- limited. Yes. It's like it's got to be just right conditions and everything to uh, to get that answer we're looking for. So. Yeah. And the stuff that you're hunting, how far away can you hear a bugle or can a bull hear you on average? Sometimes farther than I want. Yeah. I mean, and then sometimes <laughs> I can't hear it at the bottom of the canyon. So, right. You know. It, yeah. How often do you think that is a, that you, the bull's bugling and you don't hear Don't hear him. Probably more often than we want it, yeah. honestly. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like... like in most cases, we can broadcast further than if they're down in the bottom. What they can broadcast back, like, 100%. we're our hearing's just not right. As good, yeah. yeah, and we're standing usually up on something. Yeah, the wind's got us. Yeah, you can hear a lot better when you're down in there and it's all nice and quiet. Yeah, but Garrett and I had that happen two years ago. We're watching a bugle, but we couldn't hear him. Yeah. Oh yeah, really? and he was 400 yards away, and there wasn't a tree between us and him. Just the wind was blowing. just the wind was blowing the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now he hears more than me. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's making it up. Me. I think he's making it up. I love it when you when miss you uh, when you hear a bugle and then both guys look at each other and they both point in opposite directions. Yeah. It's like okay. we do a pretty good job of of narrowing in our yeah. the direction. That's yeah. kind of how my wife and I are. We, I always point one way and she points the other. Yeah. She's right. almost always right. So I just started started listening to her. With we, our styles of hunting, nothing pisses us off more when you're taking somebody. And you're bugling, and they're just stealing oh, this yeah. something oh or grabbing a piece of paper, yeah. and you're just like, okay. Paco. Stand still. Uh, our buddy Paco is that. That's Paco, way. man. Oh. Every time I bugle, he gets super nervous. Starts <laughs> shuffling around. Really? Like, yeah, he doesn't really want to dive in these canyons. So he's like, yeah, I want that bull to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's always good to that. stand in different. Don't all be standing the same and yeah. facing. Sometimes, you know, if you're as a group, spread out. face, yeah, spread out. Try yeah. to get a real, real... Yeah. 
pinpointing it is the hardest thing, and then you go to your maps from there. Yeah. A lot of times we'll go on the opposite side of the ridge, you know, yeah. I'll bugle one side, boom, and we'll either swap sides or he'll bugle the other side, and then I'll yep. listen, you know. So yep. you do everything yep. you can possibly do to get an answer and hear it. And, and it's amazing how little the noise it takes close to you to distract your ears from being able to really focus into an area. Yeah. Like even just somebody, like, pulling something out of their pocket. Rappers, it's like, yeah. I hear everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's crazy. Will well, you guys ever bail without hearing a bugle? Mm. Only a few spots that I am 100% convinced there's elk in there. Yeah. Um, and then I know a few bedding areas. There was one particular bull that I hunted, and I learned a lot from this bull because he never left this big canyon, and he bedded in one of five spots. And if he wasn't in one, I went to all five of them. If he didn't answer, I know he's still in one of them, but he didn't answer me. So I'd go to the most likely one. As a matter of fact, you killed bull in that canyon. The little bastard. Oh, little bastard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> little bastard. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was big bastard and little bastard. Yeah. And he killed little bastard. And, uh, and it, a great example of the thinny thing is they went in, they thinned that, and then that bull disappeared. So I suspect he got smoked. And that would be big bastard. bastard. Yeah. ODB. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what have you but guys found for how far a bull travels after he's aggressively rubbing? Because we've been struggling with that. Honestly, it's like, do we even focus on this bull? Is he even in the area anymore? Because the bull I killed, I had on two different cameras. I took a picture of him two miles away down the farther down the ridge, had another picture of him, and then I killed him three miles down the drainage from those two other pictures. I think it has a lot to do with how many elk are in the area. Did you hit some? Oh, I was just going to say, what we're hunting, too, is it's not super. I mean, it is coastal, but it's not. We're hunting big ridge, ridge systems. Yeah. I think where they're hunting, the topography is way different as well. Well, you know, if you find rubs early versus mid or late yeah. season, yeah. so so they move. There's right. no question. Once they get established, from my experience, once a bull gets established with cows, it's probably not going far unless something pushes them out. Right. Do you, you find guys, a fresh rub that third yeah. week? Yeah, third he's, week is not going right to be there. far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that you first guys, week, it's usually ridge tops. Usually, you know, yeah. usually travel corridors yeah. and stuff, and they're going to go and they're just. I think they're testing their own selves, you know, I think, and, I, you know, I, they could be anywhere. Hmm. Do you yeah. guys really pick apart an area with Onyx and start marking out rubs and, f like, finding a rub line to follow? Do you guys spend never done really that? that as far as, like, picked it out, but we'll definitely spend some time at a rub yeah. and look and just see, like, is this a traveler bull or is this a resident bull right. that's going to be staying here a while? Yeah, you find an area where you got numerous rubs yeah. going up a ridge. And uh, you, you can draw that out. You mark them all, even the little, you can see one from the next. But if you mark them all, you can look at it from 30,000 feet and say, hey, what's well, clearly this bull's going to and from. Right. So then you just, I just, and historically, I've just gone farther than what, I, what I've seen the rubs. And, you know, so we'll find one, them. One end of those, you're going to find yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. He's there somewhere. Yeah. You guys heard of Tony Moline? Mm -hmm. Ralph Mullane. Anyway, it was his boy. Abe and Son game. Oh, yeah. Son. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Tony. I cut timber with him. For is it Mullane? I thought it was Milne. Mullane. Oh, yeah. Mulaney. Yeah. He was, he's one of the better elk callers I've ever been around yeah. anyway. And back working with him, he'd find a rub and son of a bitch. And he'd pull his truck <laughs> over and just cut, it down. cut every single rub <laughs> down and stuff it down in the, in the trees. Oh, yeah, man. We look for cut down trees. We look Painted for ones. paint. People yeah. paint them, which I know somebody that yeah. does that. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, really? a lot of work. Yeah, his name's Austin. I won't give his last name. 
<laughs> One of these days, I'm going to kill a bull with gray paint on his horns. I'm going to just <laughs> sprinkle that all over the air. You'll know who to call. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yep. So I guess, I guess same question, but just a little. I really do want to pin you guys down to an answer here. It, you know, what's the farthest you've killed a bull from a bull that you've targeted based on rubs, and you knew it was that bull most likely? Like, what, what do you think of when a bull finally finds his spot, how big is that radius of that area? Uh, from my experience, it's probably, and, and the bastard one is a good example, is he would not cross over into the next canyon. So that, so what I'm talking about, a, a big drainage, it was like, I'd say three big creeks that went into a big canyon. We're looking at two miles long, yeah, maybe a couple miles across. Uh, that bull never left that. He, he would come up to the top where there was a road, but I always found him in it. So, and I just take that, and that was early on, so I take that um, experience and learning, and I just apply that to all of them. It, it's probably not always true. Yeah. They probably cross over. They probably go a long way sometimes. But I think, I, too, you can <coughs> key off of, like, that's just the bull making that. He's going to find cows, you know, right. so key off of that, too, like, as far as cows like benches, they like all those things in the middle of the day to bed on. So it's like, okay, there's a bull around here. Where's the cows going to be if they're in this scenario of this canyon of this draw? Well, they're going to be hanging off that little tiny bench on that, you know, stuff like that. Like, turn your whole thinking from, okay, I'm just chasing this bull to he's going to be having a herd with him. You know? yeah. yeah. So you guys mentioned third week rubs. Is there any tactic or any change in mind on when you guys, obviously you said that ball's probably closer in the third week if he leaves a rub. I would say. Now, do you really pound that area harder, or do you or you just, you know, cat road shuffling like you always do? Like, is, that's the game plan, right? Our style is let the bugle carry. So yeah. I mean, yeah. As, yeah. Far as, as far as if we think that we covered that vocally, if they could hear us <laughs> down to the bottom, across the other side, we'll mark it off the list and keep going. Yeah. Now, Especially I, if there's no fresh sign in there. Yeah. 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 Now, for me personally, it seems like second, maybe even third bugles when I'm starting to get more more of my responses. It's not a lot of times. It's not the first bugle. You oh, guys yeah. finding the same thing out there? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. How long will you guys stay at a spot and bugle before you like? All right, let's move we'll on. Go through a whole sequence, like. Yeah. Cody. Yeah. You yeah, start I mean, out with a regular bugle, and then you bugle. So even start, stop, you know, on a cow call because it's just you never know. Like those those elk could be 150 yards underneath that lip, and you mm -hmm. come up there and just bah, and it's, they're just like, wait a second here, <laughs> you know? I mean, um, yeah. And uh, but basically, we got asked in the booth quite a bit, like, how often do you guys call? I see you guys calling all the time. I'm like, the terrain dictates how often we're going to locate bugle. So. If, if your calling is only going to a couple hundred yards because it's so thick and there's all this micro terrain, we're going to call 150 yards, you know. You're picking the area apart. Exactly, right? yeah. And, you know, you, exactly. If you're, if you're on a road system, cat road, you know that they're all side hill, right? They're all, that's how they pulled those logs out. And, you know, it depends. If there's a long finger, you may every 75 yards kind of all the way around Ooh. that drainage and all of a sudden you get over to the left hand side of that finger ridge and the sound bounces back and all of a sudden mm -hmm. he responds down here to your right you know so uh, but we don't like i would never just walk out to landing and call and call and call and give it 15 minutes i mean it's <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's yeah more, often, more often than not he, he answers after the second third bugle within five minutes yeah within five exactly minutes. Yeah. We've had a couple scenarios where I've, we've called for like an hour off and on. And <clears throat> one, I knew there was elk in the area, but 
I called off and on for an hour and I, I knew there was a bull in the area. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And as soon as I jumped on a slash pile, made some noise, that thing ran right in. Yeah. And he's yeah. just waiting to hear that brush cracking. So that I think one that's more. Yeah. I mean, I think I've hunted with people that call, but they try to sne be sneaky. Right. It doesn't work out. Yeah. That no. You got to be loud. You yeah. can't be a predator. Elk are big. Elk are, elk yeah. are loud. That, loud. So these elk think you're an elk. Right. So act like an elk. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. If, if it's too quiet, us walking in. And so when we're approaching a bull, it's half of our call is the approach. Is the approach. Is the, is the making, right. you know, building his anxiety. He's standing there looking at that sound, you know, and uh, snapping as you're getting in. It's just, it's just making him anxious. Yeah. Yeah, you and don't avoid like, stepping on stuff. You'll grab tree branches and yeah, snap yeah. them like it was his antler yeah, or we're, something. We're really loud in that we sense. We found two shed horns five points this year before season. What yeah. Was that me and James? That uh, was me and you. And um, I broke both of them raking this year. Like yeah. I was just breaking up a storm. But we had some really good action towards the last week of season. Um, but I, I kind of want to go into cold calling. Did any of you guys really focus much on cold calling at all? We have. I'm not saying with a ton of success. Yeah. Yeah. Early the early in the season is where it's like we know there's elk around here. There's good a lot of fresh sign, and that's I mean this year on opening day, it's like <clears throat> I know there's elk in here. I mean it, it's fresh piss, brand new rub, and we set up and 30 minutes probably was when that first bull came yeah. out on Wyatt. Yeah. It came sneaking in. There were three bulls, so it's yeah. like that real early. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were all stuff. still together. Yeah. yeah, that's how Penny's bull was killed. It was a cool call setup for like an hour though, right? Well, it took an hour. That's that was my second scenario. Uh, just found a bunch of rubs, and it's when I first started following you guys. So I looked at you know the topography like you guys do, and I was like, bull's probably bedded right here. I thought it was a small bull though because it's small rubs. So I left my bow in the truck. <laughs> I'm like, get your bow, and uh, we walked down there and called for like an hour, and. I gave up. I, I just started talking out loud like I am now. I'm like, all right, there's nothing in here. Let's go. And as soon as I said that, I heard brush popping. And I looked back, and there's Penny's bull coming in. I'm like, holy shit. Thing's a hog. Yeah. Yeah. I down my bow. So, you know. That being yeah, said, though, you I would push her out of the way. I, I should have. I should have grabbed her bow, but she's a southpaw. And I went yeah. out Dude, that, so. that bull was a giant. Well, yep. What that score on that bull? It's 298. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember when we got First that photo. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh my god. Yeah, was, that's probably one of the biggest bulls I've ever called in, <laughs> and my bow was up in the pickup truck. So. Yeah, you made out pretty good. I, I, well, I know, I know. If I would have had my bow, she would not have shot. I would have been yeah. shooter. Yeah. <laughs> she sent us the picture and it was like, "Look at the bull that I killed." Oh, yeah. and here's my husband's bull. There's it. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> yeah. Best thing about it is big bulls make small rubs. Too. Yeah, they do. They do. You know? yeah. That yeah, exactly what he said just goes back to everything that all of us have said many times. Like a big bull can make a small rub, but right. a little bull cannot that, make a big rub. That bull yeah. never made a peep. Yeah. Came in completely. How silent. late in the season was that? That was third day of season. Yeah. That was oh, the earliest, okay. Earliest I was like, man, yeah. yeah. But I think I will say, and I think I probably speak for you guys <laughs> too, as far as like cold calling is not what we want, how we want to get no. them. You know, it's like if you have to, maybe you will. And I would say eight times out of ten, we're going to blow the cold. You know, we're yeah. going to get up too soon and he's going to be coming. We've done that numerous times. It. It's just not the way we want to, no. right. to, to kill him. And yeah. solo, I feel like that's a, probably one of the worst ways to call in a bull because it it's so yeah. freaking hard to not get caught. Yeah, right. He's looking for you on his way in, and, and then you have to draw your bow and everything. And it's sneaking, and you've got to really time your draw and all that. It's just 
No. It's not as much I'm, fun. I'm assuming you guys enjoy the interaction of the call yeah, in, absolutely. right? You want yes. that. If it doesn't have that, it's not as fun. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to spot and stalk a bull. No. On the coast. I just don't, you know. That's all we did last year. Well, we weren't <laughs> getting any responses. No, so. but we were getting into bulls every day, and it was just like. <laughs> small bulls. All right, yeah, Nothing small big. bulls, yeah, yeah. It's all effective, cold calling, spot and stock. It's all effective, but half the reason I'm out there is the interaction. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, I mean, killing the elk is a bonus, but interacting with them, you know, them getting pissed yeah, off. Yeah, playing the game oh, with man. them, man, yep. that's. That's what it's all about. Whether they win that day or I win that day, yeah. it doesn't yeah. really matter. I feel like when we spot and stalk them, we almost robbed ourselves of that experience that you wait all year for. It's like, man, like now I have to wait a whole year to try and get that 20-yard up close. You know, like that's Go that's rifle. what it's about right there. Rifle or muzzleload hunt if you want to spot and stalk them. But yeah. with archery, man, it is like you're, you're leaving so much on the table doing yeah. it that way. Everybody talks about that late season. Man, I got that late season bow tie. Like, oh, cool. Awesome. I was just going to extend my season. Like, right. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Cool, I, will never, I will never put in for that one. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate so that. So hard. So yeah. hard. Yeah, the bugle's the fun part. It is. It definitely yeah. is. And I, 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 I'm trying to think, like, wrap this podcast around, and I think you guys have probably heard it in spades, you know, just like, how do I go? I want to kill a Roosevelt. Yeah. How do I do that? Let's talk about the guy from wherever east to pennsylvania to whatever it's their tough. goal is to kill a roosevelt and i always think about like what we're talking about now you know like man it would be damn tough to come mm. from a place that you've never seen yeah. before come into a spot and just like even with what we've talked about already the cat road shuffle the bugling the topographic the following rubs it's still dang tough like it's i don't know where i would start yeah. somebody it's super it, intimidating like going <clears throat> you know different facets right you go to Colorado and you hunt wilderness stuff yeah. at 10,000 feet I mean it's intimidating because it's it's big vast country but then just you can cover that country more <laughs> effectively easier where you go into the coast range you don't get your bearing down and it like th- there's they're like where's north what's yep. up where it'll down? humble the best woodsman you know uh it, you know and yeah. then and then fighting the brush is yeah, just you can't a see whole, you can't see across the canyon a whole right. other facet mm-hmm. so right. when you're hunting east side you can see hey man i recognize that peak over there well you don't have that yeah and then just here. overall population yeah. density i feel is yeah. is substantially less yeah numbers of elk but i do i always try to think about that like Man, how could we help out the guy from Pennsylvania that just his whole goal in life is to kill a Roosevelt? And it's like, what I would do, and my advice to anybody who wants to hunt a Roosevelt, is take the coast range of Oregon to the coast, get a dart, <laughs> throw it at the board, and go hunt there. You're not wrong. Because there's elk. Stand out from <laughs> right. elk there. Literally. Yeah. Every, I don't care where you go on the Oregon coast, there's elk. Learn one spot at a time. Yeah. yeah. You just have to dedicate yourself to that area. And go learn it, yeah. Learn yeah. it. And it might take a season or two before they get something figured out, but yeah. yeah. My my biggest worry with helping other folks from out of state is land ownership, getting in trouble with, you know, SPI, Lone Rock, <laughs> Roseburg Lumber, Warehouse. Like, you have so many different landowners with different rules. It's like, dude, you might be better just to go find a bunch of Forest Service or BLM and just stay out of that game until you – because you, you're putting yourself at risk. There's a lot of homework you have to do to figure yeah. that stuff out. And it changes – depending on level one, level two, level three, fire danger. It just, to me, that would be really intimidating. Yeah. 
it would no, deter, it would it, deter me from going. It, yeah, the, the whole private timber game is sketchy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. just because there's a gate there, I can go hike this road. No. That's now, not the case. I would say nine times out of ten, you're in the place that you're going to get a trespass, yeah. Yeah. trespassing ticket because of fire danger or whatever else. Like, yeah. Well, you, you plan your entire hunt or your entire season based off a private timber company, and then all of a sudden it's closed. Or they sell. <laughs> <laughs> you're screwed. There you're goes your entire, your entire preparation is gone. Well, he so, was going through that this year, and he found out, no, they're still going to do a permit system. But one of the properties he was looking to hunt, and they sold. And yeah. the new owner is going to keep. I heard know, they sold, but keep going. Yeah, I know. I think Did I know you what you're that? talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and it I've turned out to be a little. Still hunt it, but. Yeah, but I mean that it's a, it's just an evolving thing every year. I mean, I lost a whole area. I've, I've deer hunted almost my whole life down um, a little south of where we hunt because a new timber owner, um, property manager, property manager named Chinook bought it, and they don't allow access. Yeah, tons. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Probably. Yeah. Zero, and it's just right? like, dude, that was like zero, zero, zero. and that's like over eighty thousand acres. Where I just lost access but to. It's only thirty thousand of theirs, and the rest BLM. Exactly. But it, is it landlocked? It's, it's yeah. checkerboarded. It's checkerboarded yeah. the whole way. Yeah, that needs to be addressed on a, it does a political level, man. Yeah. Super, super bad. So yeah. yeah. That whole thing with Wyoming, the corner crossing, and all that—that that was something that needs to be established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Needs a set of precedents. If we can get that dialed, then Oregon will unlock a lot of land. A ton. Crazy like, yeah. amount. Uh, yeah. I know that's one of the that. initiatives. Eric Siegfried and the yeah. founder on X and his, you know, is getting those types of issues resolved, you know, because of the public land that's now kept by the private landholders, you know. Yeah. It's, it's criminal. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. criminal in my opinion. Now, Navigating this country to Corner Cross is not going to be an easy task. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean that corner's on the side of that mountain? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's still not going to be easy, but just having the ability to do it yeah. would really help a lot. But there are some sections of state that we'll be traveling to, and you'll come to a corner of a private timber company, and there'll be a gate right there, and it's like 200 yards between to the mm-hmm. other part of the state land. Yeah. And then instead of being able to just drive through that corner, now you got to loop back all the way around to come into the other yeah. side. It's just yeah. little things like that would be nice if they could get it figured out. We had kind of a freak bowl this year that if we wanted to corner hop, we would have had free reign on him. It was just like, I'm not playing that game, man. And he was a really cool bull. You know exactly what one I'm talking about. And it was just like, you know, that's a shame because that's a once-in-a-lifetime looking, but it wasn't a huge bull. Um, the one that got killed. Yeah, he got yeah. killed later. I mean, he was a pretty big bull. That was a good bull. But it was just like 90% of the way there, uh, 99% of the way there, you were BLM, but you had to corner hop one spot to get into his timber patch. And it was just like, how is that freaking illegal? Like, yeah. to me, it's just a criminal thing. But um, I want to move on to common mistakes here. And we got to wrap this thing up here shortly. But um, common mistakes. You were talking about a friend, um, <laughs> I don't know, Thomas, who was on a bull this year. And um, he's a friend of ours, so I'll talk about him. And, um, you know, he was on a bull, and I'm like, just go get him, dude. And then you guys went in there, um, and you played your cards right. And I'm like, that, that bull's killable. Well, I, we played know. our cards. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so. I, I think the, a big mistake people people make is they just sit and listen to a bull bugle, and they don't make a decision. I don't care if that decision's right or it's wrong. You have to do something. Like, you, the clock is ticking, man. 100%. Yeah, and if you just you just got to – got to commit yourself to getting in it i mean yeah so, so getting to that timber line that's the hardest part that's that's <coughs> going to be the hardest way to do it but that's the right way so just do it just 
Get on your hands and knees if you got to and get over there, you know. Yeah. So sitting and listening to them. And, people uh, are so scared of making mistakes that they just yeah. freeze. Yeah, absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. So it's their fear like, of failure makes them fail, and that's 100%. just unfortunate, to be honest with yeah. you. It's unfortunate. That's well said. It seems like my hang-ups in the past have been not being aggressive enough, and it's just like, man, if I was probably more aggressive, I, who knows what would have happened, but I know that I've lost a lot of opportunities because I was too afraid to bust that bowl or get caught or – whatever it may be and it just seems like a lot of guys have that mental block there it's like this might be my only chance i really don't want to screw it up you know well I how mean, many times in september have you guys gone in on a bull made a mistake push him out and then still have the opportunity to call that same bull back in Leo Roosevelt. Yeah. yes yeah. multiple times in two hours or an hour an hour like, later yeah. yeah you just back out a little bit wait change your yeah. approach angle come back in and the same bull, bull comes right back in like ago. Yeah. So that's like with people making mistakes, like these guys are saying, it doesn't always matter. Make a mistake, learn. I mean, how else are you going to learn anyway, yeah, right? It also comes down to, like, what what do you want out of that hunt? I talk to a lot of people, especially at the show, they're just like, dude, I had this bull. Every time I bugled, he bugled back. <laughs> it was the awesomest thing ever. And I'm like, did you get closer? No. No. I just, but, but they were jacked. You know, I yeah. was like, if that's the experience you want, that's, that's the interaction that you want, that's awesome. That's exactly the... a lot of people think the bull's going to come to them correct yeah. so yeah. i think that's where they're yeah. making their mistake our rule correct. of thumb is yeah. that we go 90 they come 10 yeah right yeah. occasionally they'll go 90 and we'll go 10 which happened on sure. shannon's bull this year but the one that you're referring to he just stayed up on the ridge bugling back and forth with this bull and never wanted to drop off the side well mm -hmm. five days later after we gave him a half a week or most of a week to kill this bull shannon and brad go in there locate the bull dropped in killed him and it was done in like an hour just like yeah. quick. well it's he like, wanted to see it yeah Right. Yeah, he wants to call him out in the open. He wants to see it. Well, you're not going to kill him if you see him. Right. We're right. that far away. Yeah. You get in there, you get in his lap, you get right in his face. When you see him, he's within shooting distance. And you had to yeah. cross a clear cut to get down there, too. Yeah. So then, I mean, you want to talk about making a big mistake, go charging across the clear cut with a bugle and bull right on the other side. You're yeah. <laughs> the chances yeah. of you killing that bull are about zero. Yeah. There's so. a million ways to kill elk, and then there's two million to not kill elk. You just got to commit and do it, man. Yeah. It's just that simple. Trust yourself. Your yeah. instinct. Trust your instinct. Whatever your gut says, do it. Don't question yourself. Yeah. You killed your bull a couple years ago in a unit. What was that? <clears throat> a couple years ago, that bull you killed wasn't a clear cut. Yeah. But I was bugling in the bottom, and Garrett snuck in while I held his attention, uh, attention down low. Yeah, it worked way <laughs> too well. I wouldn't tell that story on air. <laughs> Dude, that, that sucked, though. There were so many people after that bull. There were three other groups There's of hunters trying to kill that bull when I shot him. First one to 20 wins. That's but it. I just <laughs> state the land that it was on. Half of our, yeah. half of the reason why our hunts it was, get it jacked 20. up is other people, man. You got to get yeah. in there, get yeah. it done yeah. really fast. I you got to be efficient at it. I think that's one of the things that's really changed about the coast too, and a lot of it has to do with like you know, 2005, 2007 videos start coming out. And they kind of start showing how cool this is, and then podcasts hit right, and now it feels like to me in the last 10 years the number of guys that think roosevelt hunting is cool and they're going to spend more time on the coast has started to grow yeah. mm -hmm. so the the quality of bulls that we talked about maybe aren't quite there because we've kind of given blueprints on how to kill them yeah. and that's probably to our own detriment i know he's said a lot of times i wish i'd have never said anything to anybody but, <laughs> no, you know. you're not wrong <laughs> yeah. well you guys making these calls that are super easy to use yeah yeah. Like back in the old days, right, that was a hard, that triple read was hard to blow, man. You had to put a lot of effort, practice right. into it. Well, I and mentioned uh, we've seen the glory days. Imagine having yeah. the tools that we have oh. now, those days. Wow. Oh. And, the and the knowledge. Right. And the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, if I would knew what I knew now when I was 17. Oh, different yeah. world, man. Awesome. Different world. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be 100%. passing on bulls. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or don't go that far. Let's not get crazy. Let's not get too crazy. Well, the guys, the show's about to start. I hate to cut this off, but we got to um, we got to, the show's about to start, so we have to yeah. wrap this thing up. But I want to say thank you to everybody for being here. I really do appreciate it. And um, maybe this will be part one of a two-parter. In the future, we can get together again. And there's just too, way too much knowledge here not to do another podcast. Sure. So We'll come down and do it in the barn. There you go. There we go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So I appreciate it. Now, do you guys want to say where they can follow you real quick? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll promote these guys. It's Born and Raised Outdoors, if you guys didn't know who they were yet. Um, <laughs> you can find them online. No, I mean, you can find us just Angry Spike Productions on YouTube uh, yep. and Instagram. Yep. So, at Angry Spike Productions, pretty and simple. Trent, do you guys want to give yourself a shout-out to? I'll give they Cody's got MySpace channel. page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace? Yeah. I, I never had one, but BMAC from Hush, he did. Uh, <laughs> you were never <laughs> friends with Tom? No. Nope. Oh, oh, man. man. Yeah. Missing out. No, Born and Raised Outdoors, uh, YouTube. Instagram and yeah. Facebook and the whole the whole smeal. Perfect, yeah. Brad. Yeah. <laughs> Coast Gate Coast Hunter. Hunter. They can ask yeah. access all your guys' stuff just through your website too, right? Correct. You got links yeah. to all your social media yeah. stuff. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Call company, all of it. Absolutely. Perfect. But. All right, guys. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll try and get another one in the future. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks. See ya.